is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for tuning in. Last week, Michigan lost one of its most recognizable and influential political figures. Carl Levin was Michigan's longest ever serving U.S. senator. And it wasn't just his 36-year tenure in the Senate that made his life and his career so notable. It was also the enormous influence he had on federal policy, his office's legendary constituent work, as well as his ubiquitous presence here in Michigan that made so many people feel like they knew Carl personally. The Levin family has become just about synonymous with Democratic politics here in Michigan. And here today to talk about the life and legacy of Carl Levin is someone who is continuing that legacy here in Michigan and in Washington. Congressman Andy Levin is a Democrat from Bloomfield Township who represents Michigan's 9th District. He is also Carl Levin's nephew. Andy Levin, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thanks so much, Stephen. So first, of course, condolences to you and your entire family uh, we know that although Carl's death was not unexpected, it's just been very difficult for those who knew him best. So I just want to give you a chance to talk about what the last week has been like. Oh, wow. Um, it, we're super sad. Um, as you said, it wasn't unexpected. Uh, one thing unexpected happened uh, a while ago, as as you know, uh, Uncle Carl published a memoir, which I highly recommend to people, about his 36 years in the in the Senate. And at the end of it, he mentioned that he had had a lung cancer diagnosis in 2018, and none of us knew he was going to put that in there. <laughs> so he, you know, he was such a private person, and so then the world knew this, and he did it. You know, he did amazingly well. Um, from 2018 to the middle of 2021. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and he um, he really died on his own terms. It was uh, it was beautiful, really. If uh, it was super sad, he, you know, when the time came that treatments weren't working anymore, he was just fine. And you know, he died as sort of like humbly and gracefully as as he lived, mm-hmm. and. The last week, or excuse me, since Thursday late afternoon when he passed away, it's just been, you know, a, a coming together of our family, which is a very large and very close family. And uh, I think the thing that's buoyed Aunt Barbara and has buoyed my dad is just this amazing family that they've created all their kids their grandkids their nieces and nephews their cousins um you know it's uncle carl's legacy forget about the whole public part you know as his nephew i can tell you his kids and grandkids are just amazing people and it's beautiful to be together with them and it makes you it kind of renews your you know your faith in in life and in our and in humanity, kind of always moving forward, even when you're so sad about losing such an important person in your life. Mm-hmm. So I think it's impossible for people to think of 
Carl Levin without almost instantly thinking about his brother, your dad, Sandy Levin. Uh, and they served for decades together, of course, in in Washington, but of course had a very, very close personal relationship as well. I, I want to give you a chance just to talk a little about that relationship and what it meant for them to serve together in the way that they did. Well, you know, that's right, Stephen. People will think, well, these are these two Jewish boys from Detroit, <laughs> who the grandchildren of immigrants, ended up serving 36 years apiece in Congress, one in the House, one in the Senate, 32 years of them of that together, making them by far the longest serving siblings uh, in the 232 year history of the Congress, Mm. more even than the three Kennedys combined. Mm. Um, And they talked on the phone every day. They played squash together. They, you know, they just were inseparable, but really to understand it, you have to go back to when my dad ran to be, the Oakland County Democratic Party chair, or the state senator from Berkeley and surrounding towns in suburban Detroit, um, or and 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 became the state party chair and ran for governor when Carl ran for city, what was then called Common Council. I don't know if you remember that, Stephen, I but do. you know the history. I do. <laughs> and uh, they were the most influential person in every campaign either of them ever ran. Mm. I don't know if Carl was the most influential person when Dad ran for president of the class of 1949 at Central High School. Dad's <laughs> 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 dad. Maybe, I mean, Carl was just, you know, a kid, a few grades younger. So, But they, you know, they Carl's just almost exactly three years younger than Dad, mm-hmm. just slightly less. And they started basically, you know, they were thrown in the same room together as little kids and they went to camp together and they roomed together in law school and I've never seen two closer human beings than Sandy Levin and Carl Levin Mm. and it just is my model for how to treat people in the world Mm. and and of course you're carrying on that political legacy now in in the seat that your dad held uh, for many years but but I wonder what kind of influence they both had, but but especially uh, Carl Levin had over your decision to seek public office and your decision to, to, to continue that work. Well, you know, he's had a huge influence on me uh, in so many ways, and he will till the day I die. But in terms of me being in public, ser- you know, being a public servant, for one thing, he always told young people, and I'm sure many people hearing our voices have had this conversation with him, that you better have something else you want to do that you like to do. And mm-hmm. I think so many ambitious young people would come up to him and say, well, I want to run for city council, state senate, you know, whatever office, school board. And he would he basically said to them, it's almost, there's so much chance that I'm sitting here as a U.S. senator. It could have been other. And you be, make sure you don't just do it and think that's all you can do because you have to have something else you like to do. And it's funny for me because I didn't run for Congress till I was 58. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I had just a super happy life as a union organizer and as 
uh, a staff attorney for President Clinton's Labor Law Reform Commission, and as you know, longest job I ever held was helping workers organize throughout America as the assistant director organizing at the National AFL-CIO, and then. I had a wonderful time working with then Governor Granholm on, Mich- you know, to help Michigan workers who were unemployed and underemployed during the implosion of the auto industry and the Great Recession and in the, in the aughts, if we can call those, you know, the early years of the century. Mm-hmm. And so I really, you know, I took that to heart, and I ran for Congress when it just there was a moment in my life where I thought this is my best contribution. So he he was really about making your best contribution, I guess. But also, the level of integrity of Carl Levin is hard to for people to realize mm-hmm. because I think, you know, the the expression "power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, corrupts absolutely." Mm-hmm. The first thing Carl Levin thought about any question was about clearing out your own. Are you being self interested? Are you being, you know, are you favoring your family, your friends? His instinct on that was just amazing. And that is a hugely important lesson I learned from him. And I learned over and over um, in the way he conducted himself. Uh, so that's, that's very big. And then, you know, his seriousness about the work. <laughs> he worked harder than anybody around. And... Every day when he showed up to work in the Senate, he had done his homework to the extent that he really blurred the distinction between staff and senator or staff and congressperson. You know, there's no way we can know everything about every issue we have to vote on. So we have staff who cover different policy areas. But when he was engaged on an issue, whether it was in the Armed Services Committee or his magisterial investigations that often took many months and even years Mm -hmm. in the select committee on oversight in the Senate, he knew more about it than anybody. And he treated his staff as full equals and he would dialogue with them. He would interrogate them. He would challenge them. He would try to insist, which is intimidating to them, I think, that they challenge him and say, Senator, I just, you know, I think this is the most important question, not not the one you're asking. And the ones who rose to the occasion served with him for many years and had a huge influence on policy in this country as staff people whose names people, you know, American citizens will never know. But because they served with Uncle Carl and he treated them the way he did, they were real architects of everything he did. So he was a model for me, Stephen, in so many ways as a public servant. Yeah. I'm talking with Congressman Andy Levin, a Democrat from Bloomfield Township, who represents Michigan's 9th District in uh, Congress. We're talking about his uncle, Carl Levin, who was Michigan's longest-serving U.S. senator and who died last week at the age of 87. We're talking about uh, the legacy that Carl Levin leaves behind the influence that his life and his service have had on many, many people, but also particularly on Andy himself. Um, We want to hear from you as well during this conversation. Uh, Give us a call and tell us what kind of impression Senator Carl Levin made on you 
and on your life? Uh, what are some of the memories that you have of him? Uh, and what do you think will define his legacy as a public servant uh, in Washington, serving us uh, as Michiganders for 36 years, an incredible 36 years? Uh, what did you respect about Michigan's longest serving Senator, as always, the number on the phones here is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll try to get you into the conversation uh, in that way. Uh, Andy, I want to talk about um, the, the, the great debates that uh, I think – uh, probably go on all the time in the Levin family <laughs> about policy and other things. Uh, and, and a particular issue that I know you and your Uncle Carl did not agree on, uh, and that was the that was the filibuster. I, I, I happened to interview him about his book, I think, within about a week of having you here on the program, and it dawned on me that uh, – uh, this was an issue you guys did not agree on, but but I really wonder about the internal family debates like, uh, about things like this and and how they shaped and inspired the public service that uh, that has been so common uh, in your family. Well, I guess the first thing I want to say, Stephen, is, and it's almost hard to say it. I mean, you know, it's very emotional, but I mean, the res the way Uncle Carl respected my space when I became a member of Congress, you know, I mean, here's this man that is a giant to me and I <laughs> revere. And we did debate the filibuster. Oh, my goodness. And but can you there is I, there's 535, you know, senators and representatives and I got one thing over any of the others, including the 100 senators, which is nobody has uh, <laughs> advisors or interlocutors <laughs> like, I, you know, in, in Sandy and Carl Levin, like I do. Can you just imagine getting to call them about everything? Sure. So, you know, Uncle Carl was a fierce defender of the filibuster, and I am a fierce critic of the filibuster. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we did discuss it, but he didn't kind of yell at me or, you know, to hector me or something. He was, he, he would say, did you read this? You know, did you read that? Um, he would uh, make, sh he, you know, we really had a debate about it. And it, I guess it's, it goes back all the way to what the way Dad and, and Uncle Carl and Aunt Hannah always described their growing up with their parents, where around the dinner table they debated the issues of the day. And my sisters and later my, my much younger brother and I grew up with my parents. And, you know, we, we had extended family dinners every Sunday night, so we all debated everything. But we kids were treated as equals, I'm not sure what the right word is, but mm. with respect, like their, 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 our opinions were listened to. And then, you know, Uncle Carl treated me in a really amazing way, you know, once I was in Congress and, and when he had retired. But he, you know, I just, I think that 
the filibuster, the way I try to look at it is in from 1978 to 2014 when he served, even though the last number of years the filibuster had become something to block progress in the Senate and the Congress, in my view, you know, for most of his time, it wasn't like that. Mm. And he was a master at building relationships across the aisle. I mean, he really didn't do anything as chair of the Armed Services Committee without the ranking member. And then when he was ranking member, he got the same cooperation from the Republican chair, whether it was Mr. McCain or, you know, others. So Senator Warner from Virginia. So he just really believed in that. And I just look at the filibuster and I see something that wasn't in the Constitution, that wasn't even intentionally put there, that was only used in most of its history for one thing, which is to make sure black people weren't fully equal citizens of America, Mm -hmm. and that it's been used to stop progress. So, you know, I have my view of it. But I guess I I think Uncle Carl is my window into the view, into the idea of the Senate as this great deliberative body and, you know, I don't personally think that the filibuster has contributed a lot to that, but I give tremendous credit to him personally for the way that he advanced the idea of working across the aisle, of, of being respectful of everybody, listening to everybody's opinion. I mean, that's a huge influence on me, even as we disagreed about the filibuster itself. Hmm. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue talking with Congressman Andy Levin about the life and legacy of his uncle, the late U.S. former U.S. Senator Carl Levin. Uh, we want to continue to hear from you as well about your memories of Carl Levin. 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook or Twitter and put comments there and we'll work you into the conversation. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Congressman Andy Levin. He's a Democrat from Bloomfield Township who represents Michigan's 9th District in Congress. Uh, He's also the nephew of former U.S. Senator Carl Levin, who died last week at the age of 87. We're talking uh, about the influence that Carl had on uh, politics in our state, on policy, and, of course, the influence that he had uh, on his nephew, Andy Levin, who was continuing the Levin family legacy in Michigan and in Washington. <clears throat> we want to hear from you about your memories of Carl Levin, the kind of things that uh, maybe you have learned from him or take from the long service that he gave to the state of Michigan. Uh, <clears throat> as always, the number on the phones here is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter. We can uh, include you in the conversation that way. Let's start with Jen in Warren. Jen, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Sure. 
I just wanted to share, when I was a little girl, and I'm definitely not a little girl anymore, but maybe when I was, like, less than 10 years old, my family took a vacation to Washington, D.C., and we just happened to be walking around outside, and we ran into Carl Levin, and he invited our whole family into his office and up to the watch the chamber, and it was just a really sweet, you know, chance encounter, and he took us in, and our family never forgot it, so that's my memory. Mm. Jen, uh, I really love that you called and shared that. Uh, you know, Andy, we've heard from so many people about uh, about your uncle since he died. I mean, they all kind of have that same tone to them about, you know, just how decent and and pleasant a guy he was, no matter no matter the circumstances, it seems. Well, you know, he loved show he he revered the congress the senate <clears throat> the capitol building um he he loved to give tours of it personally of course mo- interns mostly give tours of the capitol and i i'm quite sure that 90% of the tours ever given his by his office were given by interns but he must have given way more tours than the average senator <laughs> because he just <laughs> loved to talk about he he loved history you know, he had an original uh, newspaper cover of, you know, Dewey defeats Truman in hung in his office. <laughs> he just <laughs> loved American history and our political history, and he loved sharing it with his constituents. Yeah. So I, I'm not at all surprised to hear Jen's story. It's very nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so something we didn't end up getting to on the show we did last week, remembering uh, Senator Levin was just how beloved he was in Detroit's Jewish community. Um, I I, want to give you a chance to talk just a little about how important he was to that community and how important that community was to him. Well, that's really true, Stephen, but I I also want to mix that with what a Detroiter Carl was. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, most of Detroit's Jewish community, like most, you know, there so many white people moved out of Detroit into the suburbs. And Carl never considered it. Mm. He raised his family in Green Acres in, you know, in Detroit between Woodward and Livernois and Seven and Eight Mile. Mm-hmm. He lived in downtown and, you know, in Lafayette Park and uh, throughout the rest of his life. He never thought about staying in Washington or being a lobbyist or anything like that. And he was kind of a very anti-racist person, and that's a whole other thing to discuss. Sure. And and also just a devoted Detroiter. Um, and and also, the, it, he, was, he was so beloved in the, in the Jewish community. I think what people, one thing that people may not realize is how much the Jewish community was almost confined to a few neighborhoods. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, when there was, there were um, restrictive covenants on houses, yeah. uh, people would not sell houses to Jewish people. Jews couldn't join most medical practices, law firms, social clubs, any, anything. And so because of that, when people my dad and Carl's age grew up, they all grew up together. <laughs> they all went to Central High. Then they all went to Mumford, you know, wherever the community was. So 
it's a very tight community of people of a certain age. And um, Dad and Carl were deeply involved in the Jewish community mm-hmm. their whole lives. And these are people who went through, you know, the, our history of the immigration and then the Holocaust and the creation of Israel together um, as kids, as teenagers, as young adults. Um, And Uncle Carl was very devoted to the Jewish people. He helped form a synagogue in Detroit Mm -hmm. called Congregation Tehiyah. Then when the synagogue moved to the inner suburbs, he was part of a group that split off and stayed and in Detroit. Stayed in Detroit, right. <laughs> so he was, he was deeply involved in all that, yeah. and he loved the community. Yeah. Okay, uh, Andy Levin, my condolences again. Thank you so but much. Thanks so you. much for joining us here on the show. Take care. It's going to do it for us today. I'll be back tomorrow, uh, and we're going to have our U.S. Constitution Book Club edition this week. We're going to talk about gay marriage. This is 1019 WDETFM. Your connection to news, music, and conversation.